This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Today, our topic is how to take control of your mindset so you can create the kind of career that you really want. Our guest is David Ibarra. He's the author of Stop Drifting. That's a new book about how to take more control of your own thoughts and develop a more positive outlook. The book draws from David's own experience. As a kid, he spent 14 years in foster care. Then he started working at 18 as a dishwasher. But next, he grew his career rapidly, becoming the owner of many companies. He had a great mentor who helped him get started. Today, David is a trainer, a success coach, and a mentor himself, and he'll share tips to help you build a rewarding and resilient career. David, thank you for being here today. I, I really enjoyed your book, Stop Drifting, and I, I know that you are a great storyteller because the book is reads like a novel. It's a story. Um, and I want to get into the story that's in the book. But before we um, get into the book, Stop Drifting, I'd like to hear a bit about your story. It sounds like your career has been pretty fascinating. You want to uh, start us off by telling us how you became so successful? Well, Beverly, first of all, let me say uh, thank you for having me uh, today. But, uh, you know, really, uh, uh, you know, success started with me uh, uh, from my earliest memory, and that was uh, going through what was uh, many would call an, uh, a very untraditional childhood, being placed in foster care at the age of one with my brother, and um, uh, uh, spending the first 14 years of uh, my childhood in foster care, which wasn't a particularly uh, fun experience, but it was a, an experience that really taught me how to problem solve and how to get past something that maybe uh, doesn't feel good at the moment, but can give you some, uh, the ability to find the seed of its equivalent benefit is, is a powerful lesson to learn. And I got to learn early. Do you have a, a sense of, of what it is that helped you kind of learn those lessons and keep going? Was Were there people who were particularly helpful or did you kind of figure it out in your own head? Well, you know, I don't think that anybody gets where they are at, at a level of success that certainly uh, I have enjoyed uh, by yourself. You know, I've had uh, definitely some uh, mentors along the way. And the first one that I remember was my fifth grade teacher. I had uh, was very shy. I wasn't a good student. Uh, I am the son of a uh, migrant worker uh, who came to uh, the United States at the age of 15 to pick fruit in Spanish Fork, Utah, and married a uh, young uh, uh, white Mormon girl from Salina, Utah. And at that time period, the mixing uh, of uh, different nationalities was just not something that was appropriate and looked uh, 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 as a, an acceptable act. And and so uh, they experienced uh, difficulties and, and, and a divorce happened quickly. And that's how we ended up in foster care. 
But this experience caused me to be a little withdrawn, a little wondering, you know, why does your mother drop you off and don't come back? You know, that's that's troubling to anybody. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and then I met a fifth grade teacher, Sam Francis, and I couldn't spell uh, uh, Beverly. And frankly, I still am not a good speller, uh, but uh, uh, they would have these tests on on. Uh, Monday, where you would uh, have 10 words to uh, learn, and most uh, would get eight or nine right. I would get one or two right. And uh, the children at uh, Walking Elementary in uh, Provo, Utah, were normally faculty, uh, were children of the faculty members there from Brigham Young University. And uh, they had a little different upbringing than what I had. And and so oftentimes I would experience, uh, you know, uh, laughter of people making fun of me because uh, I was quiet and 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 I didn't wasn't doing well. And Mr. Francis knew it, and he was much more than a teacher. He uh, told the class, "Hey, look, how many words does David have to learn on Monday through Friday for the Friday's final exam? And you, you all have to learn too. He has to learn eight or nine, and a little bit more difficult. And 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 he and he watched me. He spent time with me after school, and I'll never forget the first time that I got a hundred, ten of ten. Uh, the class uh, clapped, and uh, I think it was my first recollection of a standing ovation. And wow. Mr. Francis was much more than a teacher. He was a mentor and uh, helped get me on the path of believing in myself. And that's where everything starts. Believing. Well, it, it sounds like, yes, it does. And it sounds like you learned about mentoring and coaching at the same time you were learning about spelling. And I, I, that gets us to... Uh, the way you wrote your book, it's it's the the story of an unhappy guy who is lucky enough to find a sort of a coach mentor, and it changes things. You want to tell us about the the book story? Well, one is that uh, everything inside of the book is uh, it. While it is a fiction story, everything really occurred. Everything. And uh, as I go across the country and uh, work in businesses that frankly uh, call me because they're not experienced the kind of growth or they're concerned uh, with the uh, leakage of capital and how it is that I can inspire the talent component of the success equation, people to engage. <clears throat> and, uh, and so everything is uh, there, but I'd like to go back just a little and tell you of where I got this idea to even be a coach. Yes. At 18 years old, I thought I had the most insignificant job that an individual could occur while going to junior college, a dishwasher at Farrell's Ice Cream Parlor Restaurant, a dishwasher. And then three weeks into it, the owner or the founder of Farrell's came in, walked into the dishroom and put his hand out to mine and wanted to shake it. Now, my hand's all full of food uh, from washing dishes, but he had it out there, so I shook it. And then he told me I had the most significant job of anybody in the restaurant. And I thought to myself, boy, what, 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 what a promoter this individual is. And he saw the doubt in my eye and he said, come with me out to the ice cream parlor. He took me out there. Every table is full. There's a line around the door at Farrell's to come in. And then all of a sudden, as soon as we walk out there, a waitress grabs a little boy and puts him up on a chair and says, ladies and gentlemen, I have your attention here. Over here we have Alex on the beat of the drum. I want you to join with me and sing Alex a happy birthday song. And they were all singing. And he whispered in my ear, what kind of business were you in, David? 
And I said, the ice cream business. He says, no, look at Alex. Look at his parents, his grandparents. Look at that. What kind of business are we in? And I said, well, Mr. Farrell, are we in the memory business? And he says, that's right. Walked me back to the dish room and showed me that Farrell's had real china, real silver. He had gone to great lengths to make sure the experience would be perfect. And if any dish got out in front of Alex's parents or a glass with lipsticks and a what, lipstick on it and it wasn't Alex's mom, what would the experience be, he asked me. I said, it would be a bad one. And then he took his coat off and showed me how to do the job. All the while, I'm thinking this is for me. And then I noticed, Beverly, he was looking at the store manager and he was teaching him how uh, I should have been onboarded. Then there was a meeting the next morning and he asked us all, and this was the significant part that I learned that day. He asked us to stand up and to recite out loud our purpose statement for Farrell's Ice Cream Parlor Restaurant. We all stood up, 80 of us, and none of us knew it. Again, he looked at the store manager. But Mr. Farrell didn't give him a bad glare or didn't belittle him. Instead, he says, well, that's okay. I'll share it with you. What This is our purpose. Farrell's features fabulous food and fantastic fountain fantasies for frolicking, fun-filled, festive families. <laughs> They're all looking like, what? And then he says, say it with me. And then say it with me. And he had it written, and he unveiled it. And then he says, you never open this restaurant again without getting in a circle and chanting it three times. Because that way you seed your brain to deliver what that mission is and make it real. People come in to celebrate and they've got to leave with a smile and a little dose of happy-itis. I learned the power of theming on that day. Then Mr. Farrell left and he was he, when he was leaving, I waited to be the last one and I asked him, can I ask you something, sir? He said, yes. He said, how does it feel to know what you want? He says, hold on. Went to his car, came back, handed me the second gift. You read this book and you read it three times. And every time I visit, every several months, I'll be your mentor for the rest of my life. And the book was Think and Grow Rich by Dr. Napoleon Hill. And I read it. And those two events changed my life. I'm a disciple of the Think and Grow Rich Foundation and Dr. Hill's work. And I read it 10 minutes every day. And I have since I was 18 years old. Well, Tell me a little bit about him. I When I read your book, I went and read about him. I certainly remembered the name of the book, and I think I even read it years ago. But um, I also have the sense that he's that he's out of favor. He As he got older, he had some ideas that people found pretty wild. What is mm -hmm. the essence of the book that has been so meaningful to you? And, and what is it that keeps people reading it? The book was written in 1937, so it's certainly got staying power. Well, you know, it's it's some uh, 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 there are fifty million of us, and uh, you know, and while I don't experience the same thought of of uh, him being out of favor, he's the grandfather of self improvement, and uh, whether it's uh, whether it's um, uh, uh, Tony Robbins or or uh, Stephen Covey, they all come from the same model, and that's Doctor uh -huh. Hill's work. Now, Doctor Hill, it's not his idea. He was a researcher. And while he had some flaws, like all human beings, it's interesting when somebody has great success and and uh, as they try to find the negative. Well, to me, it was the interviews that he did with uh, uh, the Henry Ford, uh, Thomas Edison, uh, Andrew Carnegie and what have you that discovered over 20 years, 17 basic principles that the most successful people use. So 
Dr. Hill was a researcher. Uh, this is not his idea, and he said it during his entire life. But while many will say, oh, he had this problem or this problem, the fact of the matter is he uh, died a very successful uh, a person, uh, happened to have read his will and seen the amount of money that he left into his estate. But people choose to uh, uh, look at negative. I look at positive, and the work has helped me uh, uh, become from a dishwasher to the success that I have. And um, the 75 uh, businesses that I work with, and uh, millions and millions of people all around the world that follow him. And I happen to be uh, the largest licensee of uh, his seminars uh, for the Napoleon Hill Foundation in the world. Wow. And when I look at that 18-year-old kid, and now the largest licensee of these seminars in the world, that's a pretty tall mountain to climb. And I'm just so proud that I got introduced to Dr. Hill. Well, the... Um the book, your book, Stop mm-hmm. Drifting, does a good job of, um, I think, really simply talking about how our brains work and how we can have some um, control over how our brains work. Uh, you um, you talk about it um, as a way to create a positive mindset, which I think is really the secret of so many people who are successful is, is developing a positive way of looking at life and, and addressing uh, real problems. Would you tell us about um, the brain model as you talked about it in the book? Well, Dr. Hill's principle, positive mental attitude is uh, principle number seven. And whenever I read, like, even hear the word positive mental attitude and shame on me, it doesn't mean much because it feels like and sounds like a cliche, as does a mindset. And mm-hmm. if somebody that's in trouble, they hear that and say, well, go, I don't need a pep talk. I need help. And so it, it became my idea is why shouldn't that be the first thing we discuss in improving, uh, you know, what we're experiencing is understanding how is it that we got what we don't want? And that our brain is 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 80% of it is the subconscious, 15% is the conscious, but the real action occurs in the imagination, the 5% that gets attached attaches to emotions that are either negative or positive, good or bad, and gets seeded into the subconscious. And the subconscious only job is to make it so so, find an opportunity, feed it back to the conscious, and then we'll go over and exercise, Beverly, of all the things that have happened to you. Tell me what thought, the earliest thought you had that attached to it, and you put them into a column, and most people have 80% of their thoughts are negative, 20% are positive, and once you understand how the brain works, well, then you can become the switch master of your own thought and pivot the thought to positive, and anyone can do it if they learn how it happened to them. I don't want to be a victim. I want to be a victor. And so we start with just understanding what hap- what happens and causes us to get into a negative state of mind and feel the kind of stress and pressure that so many people live yeah, with every day of their life. You you talk in in your model uh, about how um, oh the some of the the what people call happy chemicals some of the chemicals that our brains produce in response to what's going on actually change our body, our emotions, everything. And your description was, was pretty simple. And I I think a lot of people just can't 
they don't want to be reading about brain science, but but your um, suggestion that it's like a switch turning on, that your brain uses chemicals to turn the switch, I, I thought was pretty compelling. Well, you know, when we're in a, a, a positive state, and there's not a person that hasn't felt the goosebumps in their scalp when something really happened exciting. How did that happen? Those chemicals, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, uh, these chemicals are the happy chemicals that make us want to strive to feel those again. And uh, when we're in a negative negative state, uh, uh, cortisol kicks in, which was a chemical that was supposed to protect us when we were in the caveman uh, uh, era, a stage of our lives, that something bad's going to happen. And so we're fear, we're, we, we automatically get this adrenaline rush. But if you live in fear and you continue to get that rush and that rush and that rush from this chemical, well, then you've got to go to sleep and you can't get even, you can't move, it freezes you. So there has to be a way to pivot out of it. And, and what we teach that there is, it is called a smile. And it's called, first thing, I'm going to smile and think of one of three things that excite me, the birth of my son, a book club, a sporting event. And when I'm there, negative and positive are so unfriendly, they cannot live in the same space. And I have successfully pivoted. And now I've got to go forward with actions. So the actions are really what uh, move you forward. The, the, the mindset, the positivity um, gets you started. And then the actions kind of move you along uh, the path, right? Well, there's, there's no doubt. Many people will remember a, um, a, uh, a movie that came out about 15, oh, 12 years ago called The Secret, which mm -hmm. is it's really based off the law of attraction, which is, again, something that Dr. Hill talks about in great detail. But it's so misunderstood. Uh, you know, the law of attraction, if you think it, you'll get it. No, you won't. The law of attraction means uh, when you look at the word attraction, the last part of it is action. Nothing happens until an action is put into motion, followed by another one and another one and another one. You have to develop that or it's just a hope. And the uh, living on hope is, is not enough. It's got to be action. So we talk about the law of attraction, but I'm, I'll, I'll go a different way and remind people that if you dream of something and don't follow up by action, then all you're going to have is more disappointment. Well, sometimes uh, people have the vision and they work on their positivity, but they're defeated by another voice, a voice in their head, which says things like, oh, you can't do it. You're too old. You're not smart enough. Um, a, a kind of a gremlin voice in their head. And in, in your book, uh, you um, label the voice as Dr. Doubt. Tell us about Dr. Doubt and how if people do have that nagging internal voice, they can mm -hmm. deal with them. Well, I'll, I'll uh, tell you this, is that uh, Dr. Doubt uh, – the moment that you think of something good that you can do, you want to do, the moment that you just get that, I'm going to do this, the very next thought that comes into your head, uninvited, no, you can't. It's a whisper. No, you yeah. can't. What were you thinking? That's not you. And I believe that Dr. Doubt, uh, I attach to, in my own belief, that Dr. Doubt 
is the adversary himself, and his job is to make you, uh, to freeze you in fear, whether it's fear of loss of, uh, of income, fear of loss of love, with criticism, uh, getting older, not getting what you want, death itself, uh, health. He'll freeze you. And, and uh, when you look at the other half of, of positive, uh, you can get help from the creator, but you you have to ask for it. It don't come free. You got to have a purpose. You got to have done your work. And then if you get stuck, you can. Hey, can I can, can I get some help? And I believe it's just as simple as that. And it's in in it and it's it's kind of the game of life. But the doctor doubt he he can come to you uninvited anytime he wants. And people, frankly, invite him in, and he takes you to the negative nut house, and it's crowded in there. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Masters in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash School. There's a character in your book, um, Mary, who runs a diner, who, now that you've told me the story, it sounds a little bit like your first boss back when you were 18. Mary makes sure everything in the diner um, is, is done well. Everything's clean. Every, she's always pleasant. Everything is um, well-managed. And the, the feeling I got from Mary is that she believes that, um, the way you do one little thing is the way you're going to do everything, and it's going to determine how you go. How how do you how do you keep going? How do you keep up that energy to um, to remember your theme? Is it the theme itself that helps you kind of restart every day? The theme itself, I you know what we teach in the uh, uh, performance coaching that we do uh, across the country is that once you have a theme or a purpose, uh, that's good. Uh, but nothing's going to happen until you follow through with what are you willing to do to achieve. And that, again, is the actions. And developing the actions are important. I have 44 actions that I have to do uh, daily as the CEO of the five companies that I own and uh, uh, lead. And, um, and, and in the morning, I do a readiness level, which we teach a readiness exercise. And in the morning, I say out loud while I'm shaving uh, what, what is our purpose? What is my personal goals? What are the actions that I do daily, weekly, monthly, and I read them out loud with enthusiasm? And then who am I meeting with today? What program am I on today? What is What are they expecting from me? And now I'm energizing into some principles called extra mile, personal initiative, uh, self-discipline, controlled attention, accurate thought, and creativity. If I can get to the creativity, when I march in to do what I'm supposed to do, 
I'm enthusiastic. So that readiness level is like a seven gear shift, a transmission that, that, that when put into motion into the brain model, the brain model is fueled by a positive state of mind and it makes us just absolutely dynamic and we have a pleasant personality. We've seated our subconscious to do the things we need to do for at least eight hours. And anyone can achieve that if they're willing to go through it and believe. Well, you make it sound kind of easy, but I'm con- intrigued by those 44, was it 44 action steps? What what kinds of things are there? Can you share some of them with oh, us? Certainly. An idea? One of the very first things that I do is that I have uh, have a software called Executing the Standards that is based off Dr. Hill's work, and I received a U.S. patent for the software, which is a balanced scorecard, followed by daily weekly actions. I start my day positive and productive by going through my readiness level, going through that five-minute exercise to get me ready for my day. I follow, I read my mission statement, my personal uh, uh, goal statement. I uh, check in to make sure that all of my associates are ready for the day. I do a walk around through our corporate offices here and say hello to everyone with an emphasis of maintaining a positive, maintaining a pleasant personality. This is not about work. This is about knowing who you work with and that we're in harmony with each other. I check, I I had checked my emails only two times a day. I'm not going to be a slave to text messages to me or emails. So in the morning for 15 uh, uh, minutes to 30 minutes and in the afternoon. And other than that, I'm going to be in controlled attention. All of these things are listed in my action path, which I keep track of, and I see what my efficiency is at the end of the day. Now, Beverly, that is called, there's only two kinds of habits, a bad habit and a good habit. If you want to change a bad habit into a good habit, you have to go through the middle part, which means controlled habit. And when you see the word controlled, almost no one likes it. I need to have a system of controlled repetitive actions because I'm not a natural to this, but I can certainly act like it through doing this assignment of tracking these 44. And at the end of the day, what was my efficiency level? And I know I've got to be above a 69% efficiency level for it to be received as a success habit. Do you ever have times when you think, I just can't do it today. I'm just too tired or sad or uninspired? Well, if I'm uh, in, if if I'm uh, too tired, that's one thing. If I'm sad, then I'm in a negative state and I've got to determine why and get out of it quickly mm-hmm. because it has a way of 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 containing itself for a period of time. It's just not a moment, it's not an hour. It becomes a day, it becomes several days, it becomes a week. So I know how to get out. I know how to pivot to positive. Now, when I get there, because I work six, 60, 70 hours a week, then I realize that it's time to uh, get in the rhythm of relaxation. And so like uh, Friday, I was that way, Beverly. So I went to the airport. I got a flight to uh, uh, San Diego. I went to uh, Rosarita and I walked along the beach for two days and I came home yesterday. So you came and be and ready to start again. Yes. Well, 
It's been a tough year for a lot of people, as you know, as we all know. So let's say that um, we have some listeners out there who are feeling like they are stuck, they are lost, they really are drifting, and um, they don't know where to begin. You suggest that, that sometimes uh, the way to begin is with a theme purpose statement, and then from there you get the actions. Can mm-hmm. can you talk to our our readers here who may be wanting to know what can they do today? How, how do they go about their statement? Well, the first thing of it is, is that, you know, you'll go through seminars after seminars. They'll call it a vision statement, a purpose statement, this, that, and, and almost make something that I believe is something, you know, fairly simple, hard. Uh, look, it starts with asking yourself a very basic question. Ask yourself, what is it that I want? And at first, you know, if you're lost, well, then ask even more basic. How much money do I need to not be trapped in the money thought, which takes me away from my other roles, family, faith, community, and health? You'll, I've never seen anybody that can't write that number down, whether it's 6,000, 5,000, what have you. What is it I want? I want to spend more time with my children. Write it down. What is it that I want? I want to be in good health and feel, okay, write it down. Just write it down in a word. Once you get them all that, uh, all, all the words down, then you can put it into a, uh, a, a statement, a written statement. Then after that, it's what am I willing to do to get? Now you're moving to actions. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's, we, we seem to make this process harder. It starts with ants. What do you want? And, and when you're writing that and, you, and, and what am I willing to do to get it, don't forget, what do I enjoy? Don't do anything you don't enjoy to get what you want because it won't work. I work 60, 70 hours a week and I don't feel like I work a day because I like this. This is what I would be doing, whether I got paid or not. Now, thank goodness I get paid, but this is what I like. It's a bonus. Yes. All right, so somebody is out there, and maybe um, they're writing down um, a few things that they want. They want to be like like the character in your book. He would like to be healthier, lose a little weight, run some more, be happier in his life, make more money. So maybe their their statement has like four elements. And a good way to get started sometime, if you have four things and you don't know what to do, is for every one of them. Just do something that, you know, you start a series of action steps with something small. Does, does that work for you? Well, you know, in, in uh, Dr. Hill's work, and, and he, he always said that, you know, you got to determine your definite major purpose. Now, you know, I've taken 500 pages of Dr. Hill's work, and frankly, I've edited it for the uh, uh, territories, China, uh, I have, I, I'm responsible for China, uh, Singapore, all of Latin America, Mexico, and, and I've rewritten it for those areas that we can make it, one, the language modern, and two, the meaning uh, uh, said in maybe a different fashion without losing what Dr. Hill uh, meant or said. But I'll, I'll tell you this, is that the actions that go when you when you talk about significant or definite major purpose, I didn't find mine, Beverly, till I was fifty. So all of a sudden, that word, which I don't think he meant it that way, 
would mean, well, I, unless I find my life's purpose, I don't start. No, sometimes it starts with baby goals. I want to lose a little weight or I want to make yeah. a little extra money. And and we learn to really be a goal setter and scorekeeper by just having some little goals. It I, doesn't start with why did God put me on earth for? I, I agree. I So I'm thinking about you at 18 years old, um, having a real big aha moment when your mentor um, showed you how to wash dishes and showed you how important it was. Do you remember what, how did you get started back then? How, how did you suddenly say, all right, I, I'm going to, I'm going to really throw myself into it. Well, I, I'd like to say something really, really significant, uh, but you're going to be surprised. Uh, I started out of pure fear. Uh-huh. Chance. And fear is a is an emotion to get you started, but I wouldn't suggest to anyone. I spent the first probably 35, 40 years, I was motivated by fear and uh, I wouldn't get another chance. I, I, I wasn't educated enough or what have you. And uh, life didn't really turn around and become just so enjoyable until I turned the motivation into the joy of the act, the joy of the service to another. The joy of my purpose statement is, is that I finally found was I was put on earth to work with employed adults. I'm going to talk to any program, write a book, give a speech, talk to anybody that comes in on my Wednesday night, time tithing night. If they don't have money to pay a consultant every Wednesday night, my door's open and they just got to get on my schedule. It's free. And I'm, I'm to work with employed adults who on Monday morning sometimes wake up and go to jobs they don't like, are suffocating in unhappiness, committing spiritual suicide slowly. And if we can change the work experience to be enjoyable, they're proud of, it will relieve them from the bondage of money and make them be a, a, a better in family, faith, community, and health and be better parents, better partners, better neighbors, and change the world one person at a time. So that's that's my purpose, but it took me till I was near 50 uh, to figure that out. That's what I like, so that's what I do. So we can start moving in that direction in small steps. And I, I again, your, your book tells a story about a guy who is coached into doing it, and I think I think people will find it helpful. The, the book is Stop Drifting, and um, I'm um, so grateful to you for being here today and um, you know, sharing some of the important points you make. And congratulations on, on having such a clear idea of, of, of what brings joy to you at work. Well, thank you so much, Beverly. And again, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed the discussion. Today, we've been talking with author and success coach David Ibarra about how to manage that voice in your head and build a more positive outlook. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Today's tip is that a positive mindset can help you create a more successful career, and you can choose to be more positive by managing your own thoughts. Thanks for listening today. I hope you come back soon. Thank you.